I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 220. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Joshua Radin. The acclaimed singer and songwriter is returning to our shores next year, and he'll be bringing his brand new EP with him, which is titled Though the World Will Tell Me So, Volume 1. In today's episode, we're speaking with Joshua about becoming a musical nomad, the story behind his start in music, and we discuss memories of previous Australian tours. Here we go. Our guest today is an acclaimed singer and songwriter who was raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Whether you know his name or not, you definitely know his music. His soundtrack moments on House, Scrubs, One Tree Hill, Grey's Anatomy, and many more. In January, he's releasing a brand new EP, which is entitled Though the World Will Tell Me So, Volume 1. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Joshua Radin. Josh, hello, how are we? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us um, this morning where you are. No, thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, uh, I know that as we are coming up to the end of the year, usually people kind of take stock on, on you know, the year that has gone by. Um, before we were recording, I mentioned that you were um, in Stockholm um, and I thought you'd maybe moved there, but it, it turns out that you are, you're, a, 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 I would say, a free man at the moment. This has been a big year of change for you. Yeah, exactly. I are. Uh... I sold my house in Los Angeles in February and put all my favorite things in storage, gave most of my stuff away, and I've just been nomading. I've spent a lot of time, though, in Stockholm, Sweden this year, as uh, I've been doing a lot of recording here, and I've been uh, making a new album. So, uh, yeah, um, I've got a few more weeks here in Stockholm, and then I'm going to go uh, play some shows in other part of the world, other parts of the world, and travel a bit. Hopefully be, yeah, well, I'm going to be in places that are a little more sunny because it's getting freezing <laughs> here in Sweden right now. I can imagine that there is a certain freedom to being able to, you know, tr- uh, I want to say, yeah, travel the world and, and kind of write songs. How have you, I guess, firstly, how have you found the experience? Before we get into the songwriting aspect of it, how have you as just a, a human found that experience of kind of not being tethered to one place? Well, I was in Los Angeles during the uh, during the pandemic, and the lockdowns were so uh, so intense that you know I I found myself. I remember at one point I when it first started in 2020, I remember uh, counting a certain number of days where I hadn't seen another human being, 
you know, I think it had been 54 days in a row that I hadn't seen another another person. And it was having such a, taking such a toll on me, on my soul. And after a while, uh, you know, I've always been a traveler, but this was one of those things where I, I uh, when we were finally allowed to travel again, I I just told myself, I'm, I'm going to go, um, I'm not going to be locked into any kind of place, any, any, uh, any part of the world. And I just want to travel spontaneously uh, whenever I feel like it, because, you know, it had been taken away from me and uh, well, I mean, from most of us. So uh, it's been an amazingly freeing and also um, just to sort of <clears throat> live minimally. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I, I've always been uh, someone who didn't really care so much about things, but it's mm-hmm. incredible how uh, that was that sort of feeling was exacerbated in the sense that I'm, I'm just all about experiences over things. You know, um, that was that that was just reaffirmed. It, I imagine it would be such an incredible experience, and especially for yourself as a songwriter, as someone who. Um, takes both your own experiences and I imagine other people's experiences and put them puts them sorry into these these pieces of art pieces of work has has the songwriting process for you over this time changed in any way I guess other than the maybe the location where you're writing is different but yeah has the the creative process itself changed in any capacity I think I still tend to write songs the way I write songs and it's usually uh, the music usually comes before the lyrics, but it's, I would say that the main difference is, you know, where I'm getting inspiration. And <clears throat> I think I used to have this feeling growing up that, you know, I grew up uh, very much into visual art and painting and drawing. And then I spent some time as a screenwriter, a struggling screenwriter. And before I got into music, before I bought my first guitar and learned a few chords and started writing songs. So um, I, I think I, growing up as a kid, I always had this vision that I would have a studio and I would, you know, a, a, like a safe space where I'd, I'd be all the time, this cozy space filled with books and paints and easels and typewriters and instruments, you know, all these things where I could just sit and be creative and, you know, be in one place and uh, feel inspired and I think that's the main thing that's changed is that I just want to be traveling all the time and um, I don't really need anything but sort of this acoustic guitar that I bring around with me and, you know, I've got a suitcase and been wearing the same clothes since February, which is difficult when the seasons change. <laughs> and uh, But the last thing I've thought about since February is... Um, buying any new clothes or, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're traveling around in a suitcase with a suitcase that if you buy something, uh, to wear, it's like, you got to throw something else out uh, just to make room. Yeah. And, uh, so <clears throat> I don't buy anything. <clears throat> I buy food, <clears throat> drinks, you know, uh, I've been sort of air being, being around, you know, just, uh, living in different spaces and excuse me, you can tell I've got a a wicked cold. It's so freezing here in Stockholm right now and the weather's changed and uh, I'm just trying to uh, battle a cold right now. Anyway, um, I'll be leaving in a few weeks <laughs> going uh, <laughs> going to go chase some sunshine and, um, and uh, soothe my old bones. 
it is well firstly i'm very excited for you to be able to to get some warmer weather and and um be able to to not uh have to to suffer through a cold like this and again we very much appreciate you um being on the podcast with with the cold so thank you for oh not at all maybe my voice sounds even raspier right i sound like uh maybe i sound um, more serious (laughs) i think there's some gravitas uh, to my my speaking voice (laughs) i feel like that uh you do have a very distinctive voice when it comes to your singing anyway and so i think this almost plays into that um maybe that mystery or that allure for people that they go it is the the um his speaking voice and as he said the gravitas to it is uh just as mysterious as the singing voice <laughs> yeah the 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 head cold is definitely helping it i think uh, but people have always told me that that when they hear my speaking voice that uh, that it's very soothing um maybe one day i'll get into uh doing a podcast as well or uh, or just recording um like reading audiobooks for people or helping them fall asleep i am sure that any of those products that you choose to pursue would be very popular so if um if you ever choose to uh, go down the podcasting route please give us a call more than happy to help <laughs> but um we'll, you can we'll be my that... guest <laughs> oh lovely <laughs> um we are, podcast ideas aside, um, we are here to chat about a brand new EP which is coming out in a few weeks around that time where we'll be playing in some warmer weather. We've got a brand new EP which is called Though the World Will Tell Me So, Volume 1, um, which is very exciting because it's kind of the first collection of songs from yourself since uh, since last year. Um, yeah. How are you feeling about these, these songs coming out and, and being in the public sphere? Um, I'm excited, you know, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a different process of releasing music for me this time around. Um, you know, I've, I've recorded nine albums before this and it's always been like, okay, you, uh, you put out an album when, when the release date comes and this time I wanted to try something different where I just, uh, recorded 10 songs. Um, the first three are out now. Uh, they started coming out once a month, each song. Um, then I think January 13th, the, uh, next two will come out. So that'll be five. And then the second EP volume two, um, will start coming out, uh, sporadically. Um, it's just, it's more exciting for me that way. And I think that's, um, I've noticed that the last time, last few times I put out an album, let's say you make, you record 10 songs and, um, I, I've, I've noticed that, uh, the younger audiences, they're not really listening uh, the way I grew up listening to music when it came Mm -hmm. to the LP. It seems to be a bit of an antiquated um, format. So I wanted to, uh, you know, just every month kind of put out a new song and, um, and, and see if uh, it, it really came from, if you put out an album and maybe people, you know, your, your, uh, your, your sort of, um, best fans will listen to the whole album. Um, then a lot of people, you can't expect for them to listen to all 10 songs, uh, or at least more than once. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the attention span is getting smaller and smaller, shorter and shorter, uh, amongst younger audiences. So, um, you know, back in the day we put out an album, let's say you when CDs were around, right? When we were kids and, uh, 
you put the CD in your car, you're driving around listening to it, and maybe track number eight was not your favorite song on 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 the album, but um, because it was on this one CD, it was in the CD player in your car, you're driving around, maybe you listened to it a few more times than you might have rather than skipping or putting it on a playlist or something like that. And then after three or four times listening, maybe track eight ended up being your favorite song on the album. But I feel like yes. those tracks later in the album, those album tracks as they're called, they don't get any attention anymore. People just, you know, the younger audiences listen to uh, that that you know one or two songs that grabs them right off the top or maybe gets on a playlist or something like that and they put them in their own playlist and then they never really go back to the album um and my favorite songs of albums that I grew up loving are are rarely the single you know um it's uh, it's usually an album track that I didn't love when I first listened to the album but took a few times and I think that that idea is getting lost and so uh I wanted to try to figure out at least a way to put out new music that that might that might help with that. I I would agree with a number of the points made there. I think there's um, almost something to be said about s- some album tracks. Um, we'll, we'll use track eight as an example. Whereas I think some of those are because they maybe weren't designed to be a single by the artist, that they maybe were more personal, that you're actually getting a better insight into the songwriter or the artist in, in that capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times the single is just like this really hooky song that it might meant to be uh, something for the radio that would bring uh, the listener to the rest of the album tracks. And... Um, that's just you know things are changing the way the way people consume music, especially younger audiences. Yes, yes, agreed. Is there is there a little bit of a freedom then? I guess looking at like a, a positive side of that in terms of not releasing an album, in terms of releasing an EP, do you find that I guess is there less pressure um, on on a body of work like this than maybe there was for like. Um, uh, like an album like The Ghost in the Wall or Simpler Times or anything like that. Yeah, I think there is and um, because I'm just looking at songs rather than an album. I mean, there is a, there is a, a thread that runs, uh, uh, you know, a, a general theme in the sense that, that, that runs through the, um, the 10 songs on this album. But it's, uh, and when you say, you know, EP, album, for me, it doesn't even matter. It's not like the the first EP has a one feel and the second EP has a different feel. It's it's just broken up into um, two five song EPs, and then at the end of it, it'll all be on one vinyl anyway, all ten songs. So um, for me, in my in my head, it was just here's a song, here's another song, here's another song, and uh, <laughs> you know, rather than. Um, uh, I mean, it's still to me an album and a body of work. It's just a, a different way of releasing it. And I don't have to be done with, like I just finished uh, the the 10th song, just finished mixing the, the final song uh, last week. And I've already got three songs out. You know, whereas before yeah. it's, uh, you got to finish the entire album, mix and master the entire thing. Um, this way it was sort of like, I don't know, there was a, there was a, uh, there, you, yeah, I think you're right. It, there was a a better sense of, of freedom when it came to uh, to writing, recording, mixing, 
and releasing. 100%. I, um, I know that there's a lot of fans very excited about... Um... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This, this new EP coming out, and as we mentioned before, a very... Um, distinctive uh, voice from yourself, but also I think a distinctive style of songwriting. And I know that you mentioned a few other career um, choices before finding your way to the guitar. Would you mind sharing, I guess, what what it was that eventually got you there? What was it that kind of was like, maybe I can give this a try and I guess your first interaction or success with songwriting? Well, let's see, it was about 18 years ago. Um, <clears throat> I was a struggling screenwriter in New York City, and I was like, I had sold a couple screenplays, some features, but they uh, frustratingly uh, had not been, um, had not gotten made by the uh, the companies that bought them. And I was so frustrated creatively. I bought a guitar as a meditative device, learned a couple chords, you know, I'd sit there and strum the G chord, the C chord, uh, back and forth as as meditation, and once I learned a few chords, I started learning a few uh, cover songs, a couple Dylan songs, and uh, you know Beatles, Paul Simon, Elliot Smith, some Nick Drake, some some of my favorite songwriters. And once I learned a, a handful of songs, um, and just started singing them in my living room, uh, I just figured, you know, maybe I'll try to write my my own song, who knows? Uh, and I wrote my first song, it was called Winter, and then uh, it was just a very confessional uh, piece about the breakup I was going through with the girlfriend I was living with in New York City at the time, and uh, I just didn't know how to tell her what was going on in my head, so it was uh, it was very helpful and cathartic. And, and uh, a good friend of mine was on a TV show, and he asked me to play him this song that I had written. And I, you know, I, like I said, I, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't start at all thinking I was going to be a songwriter mm-hmm. or a professional musician at all. And he asked when he heard me play this song, he asked if I would make a demo of it and <clears throat> send it into the producers of this TV show Scrubs he was uh, starring in. And a few weeks later, uh, Bill Lawrence, the creator of the show emailed me and asked if uh, if they could use that demo in the show. And I was like shocked. Um, <laughs> a few weeks later, uh, the song aired in the show and um, it had such a response from their fan base that uh, 
it gave me the confidence to to write another song and then another song and another song. And I just kept writing and writing. And here we are, 10, 10 albums later. I um, I will be honest with you. I um, have, have been a fan for a number of those years and I do want to talk a little bit oh, about thank you. Um, that experience with Scrubs and, and seeing you in concert as well. I didn't realise that Winter was the first song that you wrote and, and through Scrubs that it, I guess, I don't want to say kick-started, but that that, that was well, for sure, guess, definitely a good. stepping stone. That's, um, that's yeah, incredible. I mean, it's, that's it's, a, that's it's interesting. Story. It's, it, it, it's interesting to say kickstarted because there was nothing to kickstart, really. It was, you know, it was <laughs> just a, <laughs> it, it was almost like if you, uh, <clears throat> if you had a sketchbook and you opened the sketchbook to the first page and uh, drew something, and then uh, someone in a gallery, you know, um, in your hometown or something said, I want to put that in a frame and put it up in a in a show and someone bought it and then they kept wanting more and more and it's just a bizarre <laughs> um experience you're just sketching out something and all of a sudden and then 18 years later people are like hey remember that sketch and they still remember it and um you know I just feel fortunate and humbled well, it is something that I, I feel um has resonated as, as you just mentioned for for a very long time because people Still, and and if people who are listening to this podcast who might not be aware of your music, I think that they would be, and they just they don't know it. If that makes sense, that they might not know the artist. Name, I get that but, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you've. I think especially. What was I, uh, I get that a lot. I get that a lot when it comes to uh, if I'm just hanging out somewhere and uh, <clears throat> find myself in a conversation with someone at a bar, or restaurant, you know, wherever. And they're like, what do you do for a living? And say, I'm a musician. And eventually it gets around to, oh, what's your name? And they're like, oh, that's you. I, you're in one of my playlists. Or I remember this song. Or, or they look <laughs> me up and they're like, oh, wait, oh, that's, oh, that's you. Or um, it, it's always interesting to me. It's, uh, um, <clears throat> I'm somewhere in your phone. <laughs> you, don't, you might not know it, but I'm somewhere in there. <laughs> I think that's the thing is that having a look at the sheer volume of, of moments throughout the the last 20 years or so that you've soundtracked uh, on TV, film. I think there's over 200 credits that I'm, I'm not going to list because people can find that and that's going to consume all our time. But um, I guess, do you, with, with that success that you've had, having moments in Scrubs, Grey's Anatomy, other shows like that, has that ever then... I guess potentially had the thought of moving into to scoring or soundtracking um, at any point. Um, you know, I never really thought about that because you know scoring is, uh, is such a different animal. You know, it's it's usually purely instrumental. Um, and I have some friends who do that, and they are you know it's a, it's a completely different skill set and talent. Um, it's one thing if you you know if you say let's uh, for example like the movie The Graduate. Um, some people might say that Simon and Garfunkel scored that film, but I mean, I guess you could say that, but it's really, they wrote songs for the film more like Cat Stevens and Harold and Maude. Um, but when it comes to s- score that I, when I think of scoring a film, it's, it's like, you know, John Williams, you know, Hans Zimmer, you mm-hmm. know, um, that, that sort of thing. And, um, that's, uh, that's definitely a skill set I do not possess. 
Um, I mean, of course, if someone came to me and said, I'm making this film, would you write, you know, a, a handful of new songs for the film? That would be interesting to me if I loved the film and I loved the, the filmmaker. Um, but uh, as of yet, uh, I've been asked a couple of times to write a song for a film, but never, uh, you know, the, a body of work for an entire film like that. Right. Okay. I can. Well, at least I've, I have. At least I've, I, have, I haven't been asked by a filmmaker that I love. That's very fair. I, I imagine that it does have to kind of be the right fit at the end of That's the day. That's a lot of time to spend. You know. Yeah, it's basically like releasing an album in a sense, and it's going along with. You know, uh, it's married to that film. So, um, exactly. if you're going to put in all that effort to to write uh, an album. Um, that's married to something visual. Uh, you better love that visual. <laughs> yes, well, yes, one hundred percent. And so I can appreciate you. You want to make sure it's the right fit for you and pick that right project. Yeah. One so one day maybe, maybe one of your listeners. I, if there's any film, actually, well, we do have one or two, but I'll I'll get in touch with you separately outside of this. I'll, I'll email you the details. <laughs> Perfect. Um, as we mentioned, there are some shows coming up. There is a, a small residency or a run of shows on the 5th, 6th and 7th um, at Park City in Utah at the Egyptian Theatre. Um, what can fans expect from these shows in the US? Oh, they can expect uh, um, me to get up uh, on stage in pretty much exactly what I was wearing all day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, pull out an acoustic guitar and tell stories play some new songs, old songs. Um, I like to pepper in, uh, I never really do a set list. I usually just walk on stage and put down a, a sheet of paper with, you know, maybe about 40 or 50 songs of mine that I remember. Because <laughs> I've written so many, a lot of them I don't even remember if I haven't played them in years. And, uh, and then I just sort of pick and choose based on what I'm feeling and read the room and tell stories and um, it's a it's a very intimate experience. I, I try to make it as intimate as I possibly can when I play on stage. I, I I like, I guess the main goal is when I leave the stage, I want everyone in the room to have gotten to know me um, better than me personally, better than when they when they entered the room. I would um, I would agree with that from a from a fan's perspective. I. Um, as I mentioned before, have been a fan for a number of years. Um, the well, thank you next so year, much. And this is oh no, of course. Um, tying it kind of all in together. At some point, uh, I th believe in the first part of next year, you will be coming down to Australia for a run of shows. Um, uh, I believe. Yeah, it's been a minute since I've been in Australia, and I really, uh, I really love. I think I've come to play uh, cities in Australia over the over the last. Um, 15 years or so and I think I've been maybe seven or eight times now it's it's always so much fun it's I, it usually takes a minute to get over the jet lag of course and then once I'm <laughs> once I've got my stage legs I'm, I'm I'm raring to go and the you know the Australian audiences have always been so kind to me um so uh I don't know if other artists I, some other artists I've talked to that have gone to Australia to play uh, have said a similar thing in the sense that um, you know, it's on the other side of the world. So people are so, it's such an expense to go that people are usually, uh, very, very grateful that you've made the trip. And, and that's, that's always appreciated too. Yes. Um, I think 
just touching on that, we are usually very excited and very grateful because we do recognise that we're a, we're a long way away from people. So um, we're, we're very, usually very appreciative for people coming. It's such a beautiful country, such such a friendly such a friendly country. I think that's the other thing. We 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 don't want you to fly halfway around the world and then for us to be ungrateful or unfriendly. So we try and show that <laughs> gratitude in in many. Yeah, ways. well, that's what I've found. Um, I think it was in 2009, so we're going back a little while, but I think 2009, um, uh, a very uh, dear friend of mine, Melissa and I, we did come to see you in Melbourne um, at Northcote Social Club and just what you were touching on before in terms of... What a great, what a great venue. Beautiful, beautiful venue. Um, and I think what you were saying before was very spot on. It was... In, in, it was an interactive gig and I don't mean that in the sense of... Um, wait, wait, wait a second. Is that the gig that I had lost my voice? I think by the end of it, yes. <laughs> no, there was maybe that's not the one. There was one where I think I played there um, years and years ago where <clears throat> I was so jet lagged, and I remember doctors had to come to my hotel room, and I, I, mean, I completely lost my voice. And I think I remember doing poetry because I couldn't sing at all. So you would have remembered if that was that gig. I don't remember the exact year, but I. Uh, no, I don't think there was. Like poetry, I literally so maybe couldn't it wasn't sing at all. No, that we, you definitely were singing when we saw you. So, okay, that was a different gig then. Right, I still. I'm glad you got to see one that I actually got to, that I actually sang <laughs> because the one I'm talking about is the only gig that's ever happened to me in 18 years where I couldn't sing at all. It's the only time I've ever lost my voice at a show. That, that's crazy. But you were still able to talk and do poetry. I mean, it was a bare, barely talking, but I, you know, this, yeah. the sh- I remember thinking, you know, the show must go on and, you know, I was going to cancel the show, but I, you know, you don't want to do that. It's like first rule of show business, show must go on. <laughs> so I was like, well, I remember thinking I'll get up on stage and maybe I'll <clears throat> uh, take questions. Or, I mean, it was just, you know, anything I could do or just play guitar. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I had no idea what to do. So, um, but again, that was the one show in 18 years that I had to do that. I can imagine though, the fans that went to that show do have a very unique experience, like a once off that other fans don't have. So <laughs> it was, if, if there's a yeah, silver the lining to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it went, yes, we, when we saw you, it was a very interactive show, but where it felt like you did have a, a rapport with, the crowd that I felt that not a lot of singer-songwriters do, that it was kind of um, almost in, inviting in the sense of not just like inviting someone on stage but having the crowd almost help guide where the, the concert was going. And so I think... Yeah, most um, definitely. There's no fourth yeah, wall. And, yes, perfect, perfectly worded. I think that that is what is a great experience about a Joshua Raiden gig and what people in Park City and people in Australia when you are down here next year can expect. Um, I was I was going to ask if you had any favourite Australian memories, but I think that you've you've already kind of touched on that, so I don't want to uh, rehash that too much. Well, I don't, I don't um, know if that would be my favourite memory of losing, <laughs> losing my voice. <laughs> it was a unique memory, of course, um, having been the only time that's ever happened to me in 18 years on stage, but uh, some favorite Australian memories. I mean, some of the nature I've experienced there, really. I mean, um, whether it was the Great Barrier Reef, um, you know, uh, riding horses in the outback. Um, hmm. Oh, there's been a bunch. Uh, uh, 
But I had a great time once, uh, you know, on a boat ride in Sydney Harbor, uh, maybe drinking a, a bit too much, <laughs> but uh, having, a, having a brilliant time. Um, uh, just uh, so many amazing meals. Um, hmm. It's tough to say. Uh, it's been so many years I've been coming to Australia that uh, it's, it, I don't know if I could choose one. No, look, that is very fair. And look, I'm glad, as we mentioned before, when people do come down, we're showing our gratitude, I'm glad that the Australian hospitality was to make sure that you were well fed and... and um, and <laughs> Always. And fed, uh, what is the word? Not drunk, the... You're well looked after drink-wise. <laughs> um, yeah. Australians uh, know how to do that for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oddly, we do, yeah. Um, uh, Joshua, uh, lastly, we would usually ask our guests just what they're currently listening to, if there is anything at the moment that's on high repeat for yourself. Hmm, good question. Um, let's see. Well, you know how they do that Spotify wrapped thing at the end of the year? Yes, how did you go? Uh, my apparently my most listened to band was the Kinks. Okay, that's pretty good. This year, um, I've been on a big Kinks kick. Of course, I've that's been years and years. But uh, <laughs> what was yours? Uh, mine was. Um, do you know the artist Barty Strange? No, I don't. Right now, I'm looking. I'll look it up. I'll look him, him or her. Uh, him. Him. Okay. Uh, sing, singer, songwriter from DC. Um, uh, just very interesting kind of, yeah, music. But yeah, definitely I'll worth, check him out. worth looking up. Thanks. I'll check him out. No, my, my absolute pleasure. <laughs> um, Joshua, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, again, we My very pleasure. much appreciate chatting with yourself under the weather. Um, we will be making sure that we put all the, the details. The show must go on. Exactly. <laughs> the, you <laughs> have lived that through and through with your Australian fans and we appreciate that time and time again. <laughs> um, we'll be putting all the details for the shows in Park City in Utah and the Australian dates in the show notes as well as links um, for people to pre-order or pre-save the brand new EP, but um, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And I would say that anyone listening, if you want to know, I would say just follow along Spotify, Instagram, Apple, you know, wherever uh, you listen to music so that you get notifications of when I might be coming to your town because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty spontaneous these days. that's our show a massive thank you to joshua raiden for his time though the world will tell me so volume one is out january 13th and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to find his tour dates we also want to give a huge shout out to debbie at willsboro music for helping out with today's interview if you like this show please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released we release new shows each wednesday and friday morning and we now have a patreon which you can find within the show notes of this episode you can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.